are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. Verse 12, But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. When? One of them, verse said, when he, his hand clave to the sword. That's the secret of victory right there. He didn't count the enemy. Just like David didn't ask how much Goliath weighed. He didn't care about the nine feet, nine inches. He just knew God gave him assignment, he's going to carry it out. Now, if you want to go back and get a connection here that I've not seen before. Now, these be the last words of David. Who's the greatest soldier in the Bible? David. Who's the greatest general in the Bible? David. Who was the sweet singer of Israel? David. Who wrote the prayer book and the song book of the Bible? David. His fighting didn't interfere with his singing. Fact is, he said, let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. While you whack them, sing to them. This morning, I give them a time. Is there a real conflict between the fight and the faith? Does faith make a man a sissy? Does faith say, let Jesus do it? Does faith say, I'm going to go off in the cave and I'll pray while y'all do something else? No. The old four-star general said, I thought, and he died in violation. The fact is, they killed him. But he didn't turn back. Chopping block didn't scare him. That's his baccalaureate service. And his commencement exercise. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. For my second message. <laughs> These are more brief than my last one. <laughs> I was flying along Monday, going to Arizona, and my Bible, which was in the front seat, it um, fell open to the book of Ruth, and the Lord gave me my message for Monday night, and here it is. Naomi, a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of well, 
And we're in touch with that same man. Fact is, he owns everything. The devil's never been nothing but a squatter. He's never owned anything. And Ruth, the Moabite, said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field. I said, I'm heading toward it. She said, I want to go right down to the field. You know, there's one thing to talk about it, another thing to get at it. Melvin used to go hunting with me. That's my oldest brother. And Melvin was valedictorian. He was very brilliant and smart, my CPA, and has been for 30-some-odd years. And, um, and been a great help to me and a real blessing in keeping all the books and dealing with Uncle Sam Farm and so forth. But he'd go hunting, and a bird would come, and he'd aim, but he'd never shoot. I said, Melvin, why don't you shoot instead of aim? And, you know, we got a lot of people aiming. Why don't you just try to pull the trigger and see what it sounds like? You may miss him, but you could accidentally hit something. I don't care about these gun polishes. I just cleaned my gun. For what? Brother, load up and shoot. And she gleaned, and that's where we are. She gleaned in the field. It's too late now to, for the real harvest for the Indians. Uh, it's about over. But we're gleaned some. I've been gleaning for 18 months, and every Indian, every redskin that came to Corpus has been saved. Every one of them. And as far as I'm concerned, and my good boy Earl is talking about the baptismal robe. Uh, we got to get another robe on them first, because if they don't, that baptismal robe, no matter what it's made out of, and all the water in the baptism, it ain't going to change that bunch of murderers and prostitutes and dope shooters. I mean, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. I mean, ours got to get saved or we'll get killed. That's right. And I won't go through the entire message. The Lord gave me about eight things along the trail. But um, <clears throat> Boaz, the rich man, said, I'll give you plenty of water and give you plenty of food. And I'm going to need your protection and provision. Boaz. Jesus is our Boaz. The Lord recompense thy work. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. And then the last thing I want to say, and I left out a lot, is the fact, said, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barbarian. I believe we're in toward the end now. I believe that... Uh, this generation will be the last generation of grace preachers with any sort of liberty at all. Now, two or three things I'd like to say. I want you preachers. Now, we're going to have a camp meeting on the reservation. We call it the Regeneration Reservation. We'll be there in the fall with a big tent stretched in Arizona. 
I don't know when, but you'll find out. Every one of you preachers ought to be on the mailing list. And you will be if you support the work. This is not my work. This is a nationwide record. And Earl, you reminded me last night, we've started 20 homes. They're all open. Herman Fountain, isn't that precious? Poor little old Herman, my plumber. Nobody, if I'd have been shooting for a superintendent, I'd never aimed at him. And yet he's got 85 children right now. The most bedraggled little children you've ever seen. I, I sent him $500 the other day. And uh, little old Herman, there he is over there, started off, had to fight the devil, got arrested out of his pulpit and thrown in jail. Oh, I tell you what, uh, the state better be glad a bunch of us are saved. I mean, just how long will we let the state come in and rape our ministry? You know, my judge, and I talked to my judge, Judge Matthews, a while ago. You know what he said? Will you tell Brother Olaf how much I love him? And just as soon as I retire, which will be one year, I'm coming to fish and hunt with him. <laughs> Brother, you can fight him, make him love you at the same time and respect you. Because they know. I had an old boy to come to hear me preach in Houston. And uh, I didn't, that's, that's been... 40, 40 years ago. And every Sunday night, here he'd come. He'd just come, sit around on there, he'd sit there and listen, not much expression on his face. And that's back before I had sense enough not to ask foolish questions. I said, what do you think about the sermon? He said, I didn't believe a word of it. <laughs> I said, you didn't. Well, I said, why do you come every Sunday night? He said, I just like to hear a fellow preach that does believe it. That's it. That's it. I want to make one request. Now, you know, we're building tents now. We teach our boys to do everything. We've got, we got a horticulturist. We're uh, doing a lot of things and uh, trees and so forth. And we, our boys fish and we farm. We do our dairy work, we have hand work, we have all sorts of training that we give to our people there that have never been trained for anything except to shoot dope and steal and break and enter and so forth. But Charlie Rogers, we have in the big middle hangar, our boys are building tents. Every preacher probably ought to have a tent. Just go set it up out on an empty block and get out there and practice preaching under a tent. Now you brought that up a while ago. Brother... One of the greatest eras of my ministry is traveling in that big old tent. 3,000 people come walking up under that tent. People run races to get a seat. Catholic priests that protest and try to run me out of town, everything else, just to increase the crowd. That's right. And they will forget that. El Campo, Catholic priest come walking up there, put on his uniform, you know, I mean, his, uh, uh, that he was wore in the service and so forth, and, and uh, tried to get us to close. Then went to the seat of dads the next day. And um, he got up there and made his little speech, and I let him do it. And I said, tomorrow night I'll answer him. Old people, you'd see them running to get a seat. (laughs) 
Every, every church ought to have them, have them a tent. These beautiful tents should have stick it up and preach under it for a while. Get your people to go out in the community. Never forget, I went out to little old community in Corpus, and the Methodist preacher came and said, what are you doing out here? I said, preaching. They said, do you, do you realize this is my territory? I said, no, I didn't know that. Who gave it to you? He said, the ministerial alliance. I said, I didn't know they owned it. Brother, it'll be good to get outside of your church and stick up a tent and preach a while. And then get your people to win souls in that community. Now you're ready for the message. Give me 5,000 churches and anybody could do it. That'll invest $1,000 a year in untouched mission fields like the Indians and wasted lives and young people. We'll build $5 million worth of buildings. Last year, we put up $30,000, 30,000 square feet of space, $5 a foot. We moved school buildings. I don't ever intend to do it again. But we got a lot of practice. We moved buildings too big to move. The fact is, the guy down at the moving permit department, he said, why, I couldn't let you do that. In the first place, you can't move it. We never moved in the building. We got us a bunch of old dollies and put them together. And we just kind of, we said, well, give us a chance. The man said, we've never given a permit. That building, see, that, that's an auditorium. It seats 400 people and got a choir stage to it. You can't know where you can move it. <laughs> Finally, you know what he said? I wouldn't do this for anybody on earth except Brother Walter. If he can be moved, he'll move it. <laughs> we move that thing out there. It's an auditorium. seats 400 people with a stage, and that's where the lighthouse is now. And all the wings that are connected with it. But folks, we turn 50 away every day that rolls around. 50 away every day that rolls around. We just got one that came in. Well, I say just... Eight months ago, they backed the ambulance up to the big dormitory. Boy, they just went around and opened that back door and got a stretcher out. The little old girl stretched out on it. And, I mean, buckled down. The little thing laying there 15 years of age. I mean, boy, she was a corker. She, she was raised in the cane. They took her in there, and, and Miss Cameron took her in, you know, put her in a room. And about uh, three or four weeks ago, I said, hey, you want to go visiting with me? She said, I sure do. Boy, we took off across town. She said, this is where I live. I said, yeah, I know it. <laughs> Boy, they came to the door, and that little old girl, she said, well, what do y'all think about me now? She said, y'all thought I was hopeless, didn't you? She said, Daddy, I got news for you. You need the same thing I got. I know you're full of excuses. You think you got to go to oil rig and all that. You need Jesus, Daddy, more than you need anything else. That's how smiling and singing this little girl you've ever heard of in your life. You can't imagine. You, in Corpus Christi, we could fill our homes just Corpus Christi children. Mother came out to see me the other day, said, Brother Warren, and the policeman came with her. It's been, I say, the other day, time passes, it's been right at six months now. She said, Brother Warren, my little girl has been captured. She's 13. A 39-year-old man has her and 200 banditos. The ones that ride the motorcycles and hold bandito across the old leather jacket and said, Brother Wolf, one man has already been killed trying to rescue her. Another has been put in the hospital with his head caved in, and they threatened to kill me if I tried to get my little girl. 
13 years of age. I'm scared to go home tonight. Tears rolling down her face. The policeman said, Brother Olaf, if you'll take her, we'll do our best to crack this case. I said, we have no room. But you know what happened? I said, go get her. Took them two days. They found the little girl slipped out of the house where the vulture lived in that hole. And she, with a bathing suit on, that's all she had. She was going to ease down to the store to get her little morsel to eat. And they picked her up and put her in a squad car and carried her to the jail. No, no, they carried her straight to us a little later on. She went to court. And we've got the guy in jail now, see. I mean, that's, and yet she's one of the greatest little Christians she sings in the choir right now. Folks, that's the kind of people we work with. And that they call Washington Post. They worked with me for more than a year now. And they said, Brother Olaf, please, please, please. I said, we don't have any room. Finally, I set a date. And they had a little girl. She was raped when she's 13. Her head was left on the bank, her feet in the water. She was in a coma for many months, 13 years of age, and left in the woods there in the edge of the water. And uh, they took her. She's been lived most of the time in a psycho ward. In the psycho ward. Earl, when you come, I want to introduce you to her. Uh, that she's the most beautiful little girl I've ever seen since I've been living in the world. I've never seen such a... Yet when she came in, it took four grown people to bring her all the way from our mother, dad, a long-haired hippie brother, and another man that came along, and uh, she cursed everybody she saw. She cursed her mother. She cursed her daddy. And uh, we put her in the home. She's singing in the choir right now. It don't take Jesus long to get them. But you've got to preach. You've got to. It takes more than announcements and promotion to get it done. And preachers, if I had any word for you today, it'd be just put your preaching britches on and never take them off. And if you just preach, I mean preach, just get up there and take the King James Version and literally preach and, and just read nothing but the Bible. Just read it. Memorize. Stay. Soak up your soul. Live by faith. God will bless and honor your ministry. And so I'm asking God's people to renew. Uh, and, and let me say this, uh, and I don't say it very much. I appreciate there are little and they gives. I appreciate lawyers that are saved. There are not many saved lawyers. Most of them lost as a godwin, you know that. Most judges are lost. And I appreciate it. One of the most refreshing things about CLA is they got a bunch of saved lawyers working with them. And apart from that, CLA wouldn't be worth 10 cents. And I love every one of them. Uh, they're clean, uh, noble men. And uh, I, I, I'm interested in, in the work of CLA. And the Lord's helped me, I think, uh, to probably raise 250000 or help you raise at least that or half a million, maybe more. You know that, wherever I've been. My friends have come. They've become your men. And I'm glad. I'm glad, and I'm for that. And I'm going to continue to be part. But I tell you what, preachers, it's time for a bunch of you knuckleheads to get under the load with me. Let's rescue the perishing. I really mean that. My heart's so heavy. And uh, I, there's never a day that I don't weep over the needs and the calls uh, that come. And preacher, don't ever get mechanical and ministerial or you can't weep over the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Oh, listen. We need the compassion of Christ. That makes the difference. Now the message. In Genesis, we'll start. And we'll close. And I certainly will watch the time. And I'm conscious of the fact that I will be closed before 11.30. I will. Because you have uh, planes to catch and so forth. 
Now, what is the issue and what is the matter worthy enough for a preacher to give his time? Now, last night I suggested, don't be afraid to get in violation. When the state violates your rights, then you get in violation. And don't whine and whimper about it. Somebody said to me the other day, Brother Olaf, you just can't imagine what I'm going through. I said, praise the Lord. He said, why did you say praise the Lord? I said, you told me he's going through it. As long as I know I'm going through, I got her made. The disciples were in the storm. And they said, better wake him up. Wake him up. And they raised the little question. Cast thou not that we perish. He said, you missed the word, didn't you? I told you, we're going over, not under. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the river, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper every, listen, tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the righteousness of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness, brother, is of me. You put her down. God's got a way for God's preachers. I don't deserve any special inside track, but I got it. Because he called me to preach. And the highest calling in all the world is that of being called to the ministry. That's the reason we need to protect our churches because it has a divine head, has a divine administrator, has a divine book, and the preacher who leads it has a divine call to do it. Brother, we represent the Department of Divine Resources. And that's it. Now, let's go to the man who became known as being the friend of God and the father of the faithful. Now, you talk about the patriarch. You talk about the dewdryer. You talk about the pioneer. God said one day, Abraham, present and on time. What's your command? Arise. We shut him up. Leave her of the Chaldees. Sarah, start packing, hon. That's faith. But faith is going to run into the conflict before it's over. Faith is what brings the head-on collision with the world. comes from a divine book. The natural man, the carnal man, never understands faith. Faith will throw you out of kelter with everything around you, except those who live by faith. I imagine the committee was appointed from the mighty city of Ur, of the Chaldees, would you go talk to the man and see what he has on his mind? 
Mr. Abraham, I'm chairman of the committee to ask you what your plans are. He said, I'm leaving here. He said, where are you going? I don't know. What are you looking for? A city. Well, today, you know, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Houston. Look what a city. He said, no, I'm looking for a city that's got some foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The committee went back, no doubt, and made the report and said, I think he needs a psychiatrist. He's gone to seat on religion, and he thinks he's going to have to do something for God. He pulled out, didn't he? He left a lot of holdings, but he had a lot of holdings on him. And so he got out there. Now, he took a nephew along, didn't he? Named Lot. And there wasn't a lot to Lot, really. <laughs> but Lot had his opportunity. I imagine Abraham had him kneeling at many an altar. They got out there and the cowboys, I read it again this morning, the cowboys, they got to fighting. Boy, the, grass, the, the cattle were increasing, the grass was getting a little short. And Lot's cowboys said to Abraham's cowboys, you over on our territory and I get them cows out of here. And they began to fight. They probably fought over the water hole. You know, really, have you ever, have you ever gone through the Bible and, and, and just see how many things happened around the water? Brother, I'll tell you, water and fire are two interesting studies in the Bible. And it takes both of them to get up any steam. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Abraham said, uh, Lot, uh, uh, come into my tent, if you will, please. He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, what's the problem? Well, he said, our cowboys are fighting. I mean, the herdmen, they're, they're, they're in trouble. I'm afraid somebody's going to get hurt. Well, Abraham said, uh, maybe we got so many cattle, the Lord's been so good to us. Maybe we better separate, divide, and... He said, what do you have on your mind? And old Lot shaded his eyes and looked and saw the grass waving at him in the Jordan Valley. Oh, Lot said, I believe that's good enough for me. Uncle Abe, that's fine. He said, all right, head out. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Oh, listen, that's going in the wrong direction. Bible said he dwelt in Sodom. Angels came to see Abraham. Men from heaven came to see him. Drank homemade buttermilk. <laughs> Fellowship with him. And said in no way for us to keep secrets from him. I mean, he's got a private line. We might as well tell him now what we're going to do. Same much of men went down there, and Lot tried to rape heaven. We're facing that same thing again. I mean, we're facing uh, the, the revival of the Sodomites. 
That'll be the last. Noah's day and Lot's day are together right now in America. And there's no way for us to escape the judgment, hand of God. The wicked shall be turned into hell, all the nations that forget God. Righteousness exalted the nation, sins reproach to any people. I knew, even though Mr. Reagan got elected, uh, Mr. Reagan's not the answer. Revival never came from the government. Never. There never has been a governmental revival. I'll tell you something else. There never has been a denominational revival. You better pull something besides your tag if you want God to bless and give revival. Now, on the heels of that, let me say, as my colored friend used to say, I'm an old-fashioned, deep-water Baptist that believes salvation by grace. I've been accused of leaving the Baptist. That's not so. They left me. I stand, and Brother Earl said, I stand exactly where I stood. I got the same Bible, the same convictions that I started out with 50 years ago. This is my jubilee year, this year. And, and no doubt will be the greatest year I've ever lived in all of my life in reaching people for Christ. I've never been as interested in preaching and touching the mission field. And you know, uh, if, if, if we could just get the vision of a wreck. I was in Dr. Robertson's church not long ago. Fact is, I went to preach in the old First Baptist Church on New Year's night with uh, Johnny Ramsey. And they made me the uh, pastor uh, since I've been called the J. Frank Norris of Texas. And I told him, I said, I've been called worse names than that. <laughs> and in a sense, boys, you might as well, he was probably the father of fundamentalism. Amen. He read the riot act of the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's turned out exactly like he said. And if I were to tell you what I'm concerned about, it's the fundamentals. We got a heap of fundamentals that ain't fundamental anymore. And that's that's the thing, because uh, we're on the drift. We're on the drift so far as old-fashioned, Bible, saturated convictions concerned. We need it. And I realize it. I mean, it's not the Methodists and Presbyterians and Catholics and Episcopalians. They've been gone a long time. It's not the Southern Baptists, their throat. I mean, they'll never hit another spiritual lick. Never. You say you're being ugly. No, I love them. But uh, they've gone too far to help. They no way to turn them back. They told me that when I stepped out of the Union 30 years ago. They said, oh, Wade Freeman. And uh, the leaders, they said, Brother, Brother Lester, you've got to stay with us. You, listen, man, you've led our denomination. And you've, you've been at the top in soul winning. And you've got to help us save our denomination. I listened to that for a good long while. Until one day I had a private um, meeting with the Lord. And I said, Lord, and I, I was praying like most of the Baptists. I didn't know. I said, Lord, please save our denomination. Oh, it needs to be saved. I'd go to the convention. You remember when they gave an honorary degree to John Nance Garland and some of the rest of those liquor-drinking rascals? 
I got up and protested, you know, and man, it jarred the whole convention and all that. I spin in my wheels. The rank and fire of the people stood with me. But, brother, when the leadership goes modern, you're through. The Lord said, what did you ask me? I said, I asked you to save our denomination, our great denomination. Boy, listen, as plain as I could figure it out, he said, I wish you'd quit asking me to save what I didn't have anything to do with starting. Now, that rubs your denominational unionism the wrong way, maybe. But let me tell you something, Buster. Jesus said upon this rock, I'll build my church. And you preachers need to know that you're responsible to God and God only. Not to your deacons or anybody else. Under God, you're the next man in order. I believe that the preacher is to be sovereign in his pulpit. To preach what a sovereign God tells him to preach. And oh, how we need a revival in the local church. I mean, just love, and I love the church, and I love the pastors, and I want to help them. Now, trouble came. All of a sudden, a bunch of old heathen kings, a bunch of old wicked, sorry, devilish kings came over there, and they raped and ruined and robbed Sodom, and they got lost. Now watch it. Trouble's brewing. The grass didn't Last too long. Boy, there they go. Poor Lord, he's helpless, hopeless. His wife, all of his little children, big children, they're all gone. Gone off in chains and slavery. Boy, can you imagine? Somebody got loose and headed up toward the hills. Mr. Abraham! Mr. Abraham! Yeah, he said, what's trouble? He said, Lot's captain! Lot's captain! Now watch it. Abraham could have said, let us pray for him. <laughs> Would you go back if you can find him and tell him I've put him on my prayer list? Doesn't that sound pious? He could have said, well, the sire rascally all stayed with me. He made his choice for the Jordan Valley. He wound up. That's his own choice. Man, skin off of his own head. Not mine. I'm not. Uh-uh. He could have said, well, I'm a man of faith. I'll let the Lord do something. Come on, come on. I'll get in touch with the Lord of hosts. And I'll say, Lord of hosts, you're the great fighter. I haven't got time through with him. Go down and hit. Uh-uh. Brother, he went out there and hit that old cowbell three or four licks. Hmm? And brother, you talk about 318 hillbillies coming around the corner. <laughs> Come on. Boy, they stood there and said, Mr. Abraham, what's the problem? And he said, we're going to fight. We're going to what? We're going to fight. Said, who's in trouble? Said, Lot, my brother. Amen. Come on. Brother, when your brother gets... There wasn't no brothers, his nephew. When he got in trouble, he became his brother. <laughs> brother Earl, bless your little old heart, or big heart. When you get in trouble, you're just not my preacher boy, you're my brother. 
you're my brother. You ever get in trouble? Little old Caroline gets in trouble. Brother, she's my sister. You're my brother. And when you preachers get in trouble, they called me up at Nebraska, you know, said, Brother Olaf, could you come call me over in Iowa? And I said, yes, I'll be there. I stood in that freezing snow, took off in that single engine plane, snowing right down to the bottom, and went up 15,000 feet, never did see in the daylight. Let me tell you something. You know the only reason the Lord, and I, I give this as lovingly as I can, the only reason the Lord let me live through the foolish things I pulled is because I've been tied on to a great call. That's right. If you'll hook up with a great cause, he may not call that much about you, but if you're tied on to that cause, he said, man, if you'll help that cause, I'll keep him living. And know what little old David said? You remember when they went off to, to, to check on the boys? And they said, what are you doing up here, little fella? 4F? <laughs> Army doesn't want you. And he said, no, but they need me. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. <laughs> he, old Goliath wound up dead as a king tut. <laughs> you know why? He said, is there not a cause? Yeah. I represent a cause. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, brother, this old book right here will put enough iron in your blood. I mean, grit in your crawl and sand on your track if you stay with this book right here. Yeah. It'll make a soldier, make a soldier out of you. And so they got all lined up. And they took off down there, and the Bible, I just read it again a while ago, said they went in by night. You say, oh, faith wouldn't walk in the shadows if necessary, it will. Well, I've done a heap of running and hiding and slipping and bootlegging and everything, huh? I bootlegged over 300 little babies. You said that body, and no, I slept sound every night. State came out, they'd run me out of Texas, run me out of Georgia, run me out of Kansas. I wound up in Mississippi. Why? Over oh, little babies. The little girl said, Brother Olaf, will you see that my little baby gets in the Christian home? I've been saved and I want to meet it someday. I can't take care of it. But, and uh, they went to the maternity ward, you know, and the delivery room and came out. They couldn't find a little baby. It's gone. But they said, Brother Olaf, I'm counting on you to put in the Christian home. We got over 300 of them. Some of them 16 years old now. And some of them already been called to preach now. The state said, I tell you what you do, you keep the girl, give us the baby. I said, oh, no. I said, you don't have any conviction about putting them in a Christian home. I said, you wouldn't even ask them to smoke cigarettes, drink liquor, or if they believed in God, said, we're not allowed to. I said, I am. Folks, uh, the battle's been on a lot longer than seven or eight years. We started a long time ago, dear friend, and the battle in the state, uh, they've, they've been after us. But I'll say this, the district attorneys, the judges, and the probation departments believe in us more than they ever did. I've just been to Dallas, just been to Fort Worth, and they gave us people that violated 10-year probations. District attorney, 
probation officer got up, an old boy got up there, one of our finest boys, old Charles, 24 years old, mother so burdened about him, supposed to go to the pen for 10 years, and the judge said, Charles or Mr., he said, what do you plead? He said, guilty. He said, why do you plead guilty? He said, because I am. Well, he said, what do you hope to get? You violated your probation. He said, I hope to go with Brother Olaf. He's in the courtroom today. He's come up here to stand for me. The judge looked over at me, district attorney, probation department. The judge looked over and put me on the stand. I said, we'd be glad to save a lot of tax money and save the man himself. The judge said to the probation department, what are your recommendations? He said, I'm willing. He said, the district attorney, what are you? He said, I have no objection. The judge said, I don't either. <laughs> That's been six months ago now. The call came from Fort Worth the other night. They said, Brother Wolof, we need somebody in the court in the morning. I mean, as on Sunday, we need somebody up here, boy, going to court. And uh, I said, okay, I called old Charles. I said, Charles, you ready to go to court? He said, yes, sir. I said, if you, if you're the only thing I've got to go up there now. You get to catch the plane tonight at 9.30. Got up there and walked in the courtroom. The man's own lawyer didn't even show up. Judge said, well, uh, who's gonna, who's gonna represent this man? And he said, I'm, I'm up here to help him. But he said, who are you? He said, well, I'm on 10 years probation. <laughs> Well, he said, get on the stand. He got on the stand. He said, now, I was in the same trouble he's in. And said, I got to go down to Brother Wolof and I got saved. Now then, I'm serving the Lord. And they sent me up here trying to get this man. And he asked him about the home. He said, man, it's pretty strict. No rock and roll, no television, no coffee to drink, nothing. I mean, but uh, the judge said, I tell you what you better do. You better take him back in the jury room and see if he thinks he can take that. <laughs> My lawyer coming walking back in said, Judge, he's ready. <laughs> They're both down there in corpus right now serving the Lord. Folks, the field is white already under harvest. Oh, that God. Well, they got down there and got the victory. They went in there and killed the kings and, and killed the enemy and uh, came walking back. And Sodom said, Mr. Abraham, uh, we brought her a checkbook. State your price. You certainly have 318 braves fighters. Never have we seen such fighting men. Now, would you tell us? And he looked down at his old ragged shirt and said, you couldn't give me a thread to patch this hole in my shirt. He looked at his old bloody sandals and said, you couldn't give me a shoestring. I don't want nothing Sodom's got hanging on me. He took off for the hills. I remind you, in the next chapter, God came and said, Abraham, I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I've got my paycheck. He said, look up and tell the stars. Write your own ticket. He had his greatest vision, and Romans was put in 
Genesis 15, verse 6, And he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's all that counts today, brother. Now then, are you ready for the message? I wish somebody to come to Corpus. I wish one of my seminary professors and brother, uh, I'm going to be through in probably 10 minutes from right now. But this to me is the sweetest thing that the Lord has given me in a long time. Now, maybe some of y'all found out about this a long time before I did, but I was a little slow coming up on it. But I praise God for every revelation that he gives me. And I ask him, Lord, and listen, I'm reading through this book every year. I never, and any preacher, now you hear me, any preacher that doesn't read through in 82 is in a backslidden condition. And you're adding to your ignorance. And you're asking God for another load of stupidity. Don't you ever think you know enough about the Word of God? If I offered every one of you $2,000 to go to Palestine into the Holy Land and said it'll be free, I'll give you $2,000 to go, most of you jump at the opportunity. And yet that's where he has been. Here's where he is. Read through this book. Read through this book. Oh, if I could get you, really. I don't know everything, but I long to help preachers to memorize the Word of God. Get back to where you enjoy preaching, where God gives you more preaching that you can't catch up with it. I've been up on this mountain yesterday evening late. You know, they're excavating up here. I wish I'd had about 100 to 200 of y'all up there. I, listen, I enjoyed that more than anything I've been in in a long time. Walking and quoting scripture and preaching is good for you. And praising the Lord. To me, praise is the lubrication system. That's right. You quit praising, you'll run a hot box. You'll burn out a bearing. You'll get squeaky and squawky and you'll get hard to get along with. Brother, you better keep praising the Lord. Ah, uh, hear me. Abraham. The battle is his. The victory is won. He's going back home. He doesn't have any extra money. But he's still got his faith. And he's leaving the grass in Sodom for the grace that he's been living on. I tell you, folks, if you if you live by grace through faith, you won't have to spend a lot of time worried about the grass and the things of the world. God will supply. I know that he'll supply your needs if you'll put your trust in him and stay with this book. Now then, I'll change scenes. I think I'll run up to heaven for a minute. And I see God the Father and God the Son sitting there in all of their royalty. And Jesus said, Father, you see what I see? You know our friend down there named Abraham? 
Yes, said sure. He said, would you come in a minute and watch him fight? Did you look at that? He just killed another king, knocked his head off. You say you make it? No, I'm not either. I'm, I'm right with the book. He said, Father, he's a man of faith. The friend of God, Father, the faithful, but look at him fight. I, I, just look at him. I mean, so outnumbered, only got 318. And they jumped on all the kings. And he said, Father, look at there. He wound up the last one. And he's heading for home. Father, excuse me. I'm going to go down and visit with him. Come on. You say, give me the chapter, Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek. That's him. You say, well, I don't know. I do. Are you listening? King of righteousness, king of peace, no father, no mother, no beginning of days, no end of life, made like him the Son of God, abides the priest continue. That don't fit into you boys. <laughs> oh, hear me today, my precious friend. Jesus. Before he ever came to Bethlehem, before he ever climbed the hill of Calvary, before he ever died and shed his blood, he said, Father, I've got to go visit my man of faith down there. He's been in a mighty fight. I'm going down there, and I'm going to bless him real good. That's it. Folks, Jesus came down. And the Bible said, notice when he, where he came. King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from, not the convention, <laughs> the slaughter. Hmm? Returning from the slaughter. He came to visit the man that championed the great cause. He championed the cause of freedom and Lot wasn't worth saving, but he left him, called him his brother, and said, I'm going to go get him out of there. And Jesus said, I'm going to go down and say, God bless you for fighting. Now then, would you, would you indulge maybe a personal word and application as it is in my heart? Well, this the thrill of me. Whether you enjoy it or not. I'm now returning from the slaughter. I don't deserve to have fought in this battle. But Jesus said, I'm coming down and bless you. And oh, the blessings. The blessings. Never have I known such blessings. Never have I known such preaching liberty in my church and the people that flock to the altar, hundreds to two hundred day every service, crying. You hear them all over the altar. I don't give an invitation. They give it themselves. I never do get through preaching before they come. Never. Oh, we get to singing. Five converted choirs get to singing. And sometimes the altar's filled and running over before we get through the song service. Folks, 
I don't like the slaughter. I'm not a fighting man. I don't like to fight. I'd rather, I wish I could get along with everybody, but I can't. But I'm glad that when I got back from the slaughter, Jesus said, I'm going to go down and bless him. He may not be an Abraham, but he believes in me just like Abraham. And I'm going to count it to him for righteousness. Oh, the joy of sins forgiven. Oh, the blood, blood bliss, the blood washed. No, oh, the joy that came to heaven where the healing waters flow. Brother, we've got everything we need in this book. Get a divorce from the world and stand. Live the separated life. I woke up this morning thinking and singing Up Calvary's mountain one dreadful morn walked Christ my Savior weary and worn facing for sinners death on the cross that he might save us from endless loss sing blessed redeemer Precious Redeemer, seems now I see Him on Calvary's street, wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and Father, forgive them. Thus did he pray, even while his lifeblood flowed fast away, facing for sinners death on that old cross, that he might save us from endless lossing. Blessed Redeemer, precious Seems now I seem, seem on Calvary's street, wounded and bleeding, poor sinners pleading, blind, blind and unhappy, dying for me. Oh, how I love him. He's my Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find in through years unnumbered on heaven's shore? My tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer. Team now I on Calvary's wounded and bleeding, poor sinners bleeding, blind and un. Could I add one thing? You're just as saved this morning.
as God is. You're just as safe as God is. You're just as secure as Jesus is. You're just as filled with the truth as the Holy Spirit if you let him reveal it to you. I was in Dr. Robertson's church the other day. Dr. John Robinson got up, and before leading the prayer, he gave John chapter 14. And I leave this thought with you, and it's got to come to pass. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, he said, if it were not so, I would. He said then that where I am, get it. Now, this struck my soul. Where I am, there you may be. Oh, so if you're where he is, you're not a fake. You're also. I've never been also, have you? And Jesus said in that great prayer of John 17, Father, I will that they be with me where I am. Not where I used to be, where I am now. And that's, to me, the prospect of the obedient child of God walking in the will of God, in God's maximum security. Depart. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.